G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When the Apostle John was an old man, a great wave of persecution broke out against the church. Many were called home during this time, but John still remained, longing to go home. But his work was not finished. He was arrested and banished to Patmos, a barren rocky island in the Asian Sea. And it was here that Jesus appeared to him and revealed to him things concerning the end times. This resulted in him writing the book of Revelation. The purpose of this book is not so much to provide us with a set of charts and a chronological order of events leading up to the second coming, but to encourage us to remain faithful to Christ in the midst of increasing suffering, false teaching and worldly temptation. One of the key words of this book is overcome. Faithful believers are described as those who overcome the world, the flesh and the devil. Jesus said to him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. And hello and welcome to the program. It's Phil here and with me is author and teacher Ken Legg. And it's going to be an interesting one this week. Our subject is when Jesus comes to church. Now, Ken, the book of Revelation gets people pretty excited, and uh, we're not looking at the end times so much this week, but what Jesus said to the seven churches of Asia. That's right. The the letter of Jesus to the seven churches, which we find in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Now, I believe that this is a very important passage of Scripture, Phil, because it's the only record, actually, of Jesus looking at a group of churches and making comment. Uh, The seven churches are described as seven lampstands. They're not the light, but they're the bearers of the light. Jesus, of course, is the light. And that tells us something of our mission. The purpose of every church is to be a vehicle through which his light shines to the world. Of course, when this ceases to happen, the lampstand will be judged and maybe even removed. So Jesus judges believers in the world at the end of the age, but churches in this age, during this time. Yeah. So, so what do we learn from the letters to the seven churches? Well, to some extent, the enemy had infiltrated most of these churches, and we see how he did that. And because, of course, he uses the same methods now as he used then, then we can learn from that. Yes, there is lots to learn from these seven letters to the seven churches. The first one was Ephesus. What did he have to say to that church? Okay, well, the first thing he did was to commend them. He commended them for their works. He says, I know your works. He commended them for their labor. And he commended them for their patience in suffering. Uh, they endured opposition and hardship without crumbling. I don't know if you remember, Phil, Ephesus was that uh, city where Diana, you know, the Greek goddess Diana, had the temple there. She was she was located there. And uh, so she was a center of worship and uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, of course. So they stood firm in their defense of the faith Mm. in the midst of a lot of opposition regarding that sort of thing. Now, Jesus not only commended them for that, but for their doctrinal soundness and their stability. They contended for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. 
Um, for example, they tested those who said they were apostles, but then they, they were not. Uh, if you look at Ephesus, the location of that city was such that they had a lot of travelers, a lot of visitors to the church. And some people would just turn up uh, at the church and said, say things like, well, you know, I'm an apostle. I've got something to share with this church. Mm. And, uh, well, they wouldn't just open the door and say, oh, come on in. Come and, on in you yeah. know, you, you go straight to the pulpit. But they would test them. And uh, some of them were found to be liars, imposters. And so Jesus commends them for this. And I think that's a, that's a very healthy thing for us to learn that because there's always going to be an infiltration of not only false doctrine, but false teachers bringing those doctrines. And so we also need to test those, you know, teachings that come in and, and be strong in our defense against anything that's false teaching. Well, it wasn't all glowing sunshine, though, was it? Because he had a few things against them to say as well. Yeah, the church actually was rebuked for leaving her first love. That word, to leave, is um, a word which means to leave alone, to, to, to go away from, like the disciples left their nets and followed Jesus or the woman left her water pot and went into the city and, yep. you know, brought the people out. So it's actually to, to go away from. So they left their first love, the, the passion that they once had for Jesus, where he was, you know, everything to them. They left that and um, drifted from that. Now, how did they do that? Well, they left it in, in the sense of in, in their hearts, you know. I mean, they were still going through the motions. They had the, this form of godliness but this reality, you know, connecting that to real love and passion for Jesus, that was sort of going, that was fading. Mm. And that's what Jesus was really addressing here because everything that we do for him, we can either do it mechanically or it can be an overflow of the love that we have. You know, Christianity is meant to be a relationship with Jesus. So so what we do is an outflowing of the love that we have for him in our hearts. Mm. There were some things in there, though, that Jesus said for them to do to come back to their first love, the game we can learn from, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, he said actually three things. To them. The first thing he said was remember. Now, that actually is a present active verb. In other words, to keep on remembering. What was it he was asking them to remember? To remember their first love, to remember what it was like in the beginning, that passion, that fire, that flame that burned, yeah. that, that, you know, they didn't need to be motivated or mani- manipulated. They weren't going through stuff, you know, in a dry mechanical way, but it was just an outflow of this love. So remember um, that beautiful initial flame that was just burning so bright for Jesus. There's that song we sing, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship mm. because it's all about you. And sometimes we can, we can, uh, kind of substitute the reality and the dynamic of that relationship with Jesus with things like programs and going through the motions of churchianity. You know what I'm talking about, Phil. Yeah. And and forget that, hey, we didn't sign up for this. We signed up for a relationship with Jesus. So let's remember, first of all, what it's all about. And um, I think communion does that, you know. I think when we come around the table of communion, you know, we take the bread and the wine, and Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what it's all about. I poured out my life so that you might have life. And it's about this love relationship between us. The communion does that. So the first thing he said was remember. The second thing he said was repent. That just means to change your mind. Mm. You change your mind and uh, uh, just really rethink this whole thing through. And then the third, third thing he said was to do because real repentance always leads to actions and um, gets us back into where we were before we kind of fell away, you know. But the, the exhortation there comes with a warning, though, doesn't it? Because he said if they failed to repent, he would remove their lampstand. That's pretty serious, isn't it? It is, uh, because, of course, to remove the lampstand would be to leave that place in darkness. And uh, I guess the message is this. Look, 
you know, when the love is gone, when, when we're doing things in this cold, formal, mechanical way, then we really are not a light to the community. It's not really uh, so obvious to people, this passion that we once had. And, and so we're not really a light to that community. So Jesus is saying, I'll take the lampstand from you. And actually, when you look at um, the history here, uh, Phil, this city of Ephesus Eventually, it was destroyed. It was once a very a vibrant city, teeming with people. Uh, you know, a lot of trade was going on there. A lot of people were, were hustling and bustling through the city. But in the end, it, it became decimated. In fact, people tried to locate its exact whereabouts on a map, and they couldn't find where it once was located wow. until I think it was around about 1869. It was discovered under a swamp. So not only was the church taken, the, the lampstand, if you like, was taken, but the city itself um, was destroyed because um, it lost its light. And that really shows how us as a church, we need to be true to these same things in order to be making a difference in our community for our community to thrive. Yeah, and, and it starts with a relationship with Jesus. When we're passionate in our love for him, and our walking with him and just, you know, re- responding to his love to us by our love to him. That's the real foundation, if you like, of this beautiful Christian walk we have. Then it becomes an overflowing. It spills over into the community. People can say, hey, you, you know, this stuff that you've got here, it's real. We can see it's real. And, and they're attracted to that. They're drawn to that because they're empty themselves. But when that goes, we've got nothing to say to the community and we don't connect with them in that way. And, uh, become irrelevant I guess and, and that's what Jesus was saying he said well what's the point of you having a lampstand if, if the light's not going to shine out when Jesus comes to church that's the subject of our conversation this week and we'll continue it tomorrow until then remember you don't have to carry that baggage God wants you to be set free For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg, including the book Grace Roots, which features topics from today's message, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.